Psalm 34 this morning says it's a psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech who drove him away and and he departed I will bless the Lord at all times remember I don't know I probably said this before but I can't remember the the gal that said this but she said there's two times to praise the Lord when you feel like it and when you don't right So David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O mighty the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his trouble the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them oh taste and see that the Lord is good blessed is the man who trusts in him oh fear the Lord you you his saints there is no want to those who fear him the young lion lacks and suffer hunger. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. There's power in this place already. <laughs> but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is in the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His eyes are on you. His eyes are on all of you. Men, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Everyone say, all their troubles. All my troubles. Amen. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all, delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. That's pretty good news. That's pretty good news this morning. that, That encourages me. I don't know about you. But Father, we thank you so much. We thank you, God, that you watch over us. You protect us, Lord God. You deliver us from all of our troubles. Not one of them, not one of them can overtake us. Because you said you deliver us from all of them. So we thank you for it. We praise you and give the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we do worship you this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. So the question that 
has been rolling around is, is there ever a time when he's not worthy to be praised? Is there ever a time in Romans 8, 37, it says, Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's worthy always. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from his love. Amen? Nothing. Father, we thank you that you love us more than we can even fathom. than words can even say. Father, we thank you for your love and we love you back. We love you back. You first loved us, Lord God, and we just are so grateful for everything that you do in our lives and through our lives. And we bless you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Father says, I am the one and only God. You can see many other people worship many other gods, but I am the one true God. For don't you see, I am not just a man. I have received God. I am holy man and holy God. So I'm above every other power, principality, ruler, wickedness, and high places. So worship me. Put your sights on me, for I am your God. have a word that they want that they need to share that they want to share I just want to say how much I love you guys. I grew up in this church and I know so many of you and I love you. I love you. Um, I know worship in this church and today was different. And I know the soil and the work that's been poured into this soil from all of your hearts. 
and wanting to see the more that we long for, you know? And this morning, I saw a vision of the angels pulling back heaven and peering down into our worship, just longing to see, wow, what are they doing? Look at their hearts. Look at how they love the Father. Just as we were singing, we love you, Lord. We honor you. You alone are God. You alone are good. But it's your lives. It's the lives you've built in him. In your hearts. And today is just the beginning. But after seeing that, I'm like, how can we stop? How can we stop worshiping? So I'm here for it. I just wanted to encourage you with a word that the Lord was just uh, speaking to me this morning in Luke 1, uh, 57, that when Elizabeth's time had come to give birth, she gave birth to a baby. And that there may be some things that we've been praying for and you've been trusting God to do for you and you reached a point where you gave up. And the Lord is saying that this is your ninth month do not give up. Trust him. He's going to do it. I got Pacific scriptures this morning, and scriptures are always rooted and grounded in one of the greatest things we have is truth. The scriptures that I heard, I will instruct and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. And being confident to this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. Confidence in what God is doing in this church and through each individual here is a foundation that is being laid by the Word of God. But He will instruct and teach us. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. It cannot be replaced. It cannot be added to. It is power. The instruction and teaching of the Word of God is critical to the foundation. As Paul said, I have become a wise master builder. That is an architectural term. And we need to stay on that course. And the mortar that holds this church together, for without bricks will never work without mortar. But love is the power that will hold this church together and take us places we haven't been and instruct us in a way we have not heard. For the instruction is coming from God. And it is true, just, and accurate. It's at least one more person.
first of all, I want to say how much I appreciate the worship team. Worship is so important, you guys, and I know you all know that. But when we were worshiping, I heard the Lord say that worship is one place where we can get healing. And it's, it's so important for us to enter into this kind of worship. And I just, I'm so, so grateful for this worship team. And I just want you all to know that. And I want you all to know that how important you are. And I know that there's people here that, that were receiving healing. And I know that there's people that the Lord wants to heal. And I believe that he wants to say that as you enter into worship, not only here, but at home in your private time, the Lord's going to heal you. And I know that I was experiencing a healing from... Sometimes the people that we have the most difficulty with and that we've experienced resentment and anger and unforgiveness and bitterness, and the people that are the most difficult to forgive, the Lord was telling me they're oftentimes the people that are hurting the most. People that are hurting hurt other people. And it's only through the grace and the mercy of God that we're able to even forgive. Jamie's got a song. We're going to go ahead and just worship a little longer. Is that all right? Forty-five minutes, no hour. We've been magnifying God. That's what worship is. Worship is magnifying God. Now, have you ever thought of that phrase? I mean, I, you may have even heard somebody preach on that. When, when you magnify God, when you magnify anything, what do you get? What do you do? It gets bigger. And we're mag as we worship, we're magnifying God. Does that mean that God's getting bigger? He doesn't get any bigger. He's as big as it gets. He holds the whole universe in the palm of his hand. When we worship him, like we've been doing, what we're doing when we're magnifying him, we're magnifying him on our own understanding. By, by telling him that he is the name above every name. He already knew that. We're not telling him anything new. He already was. He already is the name above every name. When we say that he's the king of kings, we're not telling him anything new. He already was. He already is. When we tell him that he can do anything, he doesn't go, wow, wow, that's amazing. You know, it, it isn't that we're telling him something he didn't know. We're just reminding ourselves that that's who he is. And we're magnifying him in our own understanding. So let me ask you a question. We've been magnifying God for an hour. We've been worshiping. We've been telling him who he is. It's different in here. It's, it's different in here than it was when we walked in. Why? Because we've agreed with what the Word says and that He is good. 
There was one of those songs where we were singing that, that He is good. Do you know what happens in the Bible when they sang that phrase, that He is good and His mercy endures forever? You ever, you ever just saw that in the Bible? Whenever they started singing that, stuff happened. There's something about telling God, you're good. You are good. When you tell him that, it's not like he's going, wow. Did you hear that? I'm good. No. What, what's happening is you're agreeing with what's already real and you're magnifying him going, Lord, you're good. And your mercies endure forever. I mean, one of the things that we get attacked with on a regular basis is, well, is God mad at me? You ever wake up one morning and you just feel like God's mad at you? Or he just does, maybe he doesn't like you anymore? Or that he just barely tolerates, well, I have to love them, they're in my image, I guess I said I love them, I guess I have to. No, you can do that with your children, but you can, God doesn't do that. God doesn't do, he doesn't go, no, he loves you. And his mercy is new every morning. So it doesn't matter how much of an idiot you are. It doesn't matter how much you've screwed up. It doesn't matter how much you've blown it. His mercy is new every morning. But did that change? Did that change from when it was written in the Bible to this morning? No. But by quoting that, by saying it, you're dealing with it. And you're, I mean, there are so many days I've had to start the day with, okay, God, I know <laughs> your mercy is new today. So many times I've had to just say that. I know what your word says, and your word says that your mercy is new right now. No matter how bad I feel, no matter how low I feel, no matter how useless I feel, no matter any, it doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what, because the word of God is true and his mercy is new every morning. It doesn't matter what it looks like, what the circumstances are. He is good. It doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. It doesn't matter what, what the statistics say. It doesn't matter what, the what, what, what seems like reality at the moment. If he's giving you a word, this has all been building up to this. Is there anything he can't do? the reading for today, the Bible reading for today. It's about God making promises to the Israelites. He made promises from, from Abraham right on down. Generation after generation. This is what I'm going to do. I am your God. If you work with me, if you, if you obey me, if you follow me, if you do what I tell you to do, if you, if you go where I tell you to go and say what I tell you to say and you do all things, these things, then I'm going to take care of you. I'll supply your needs. I'll heal you. Amen. 
I'll protect you. I'll lead you and guide you. I will do all. If you do your part, I will do my part. And it isn't that he needs you to do his, your part for him to do his part. He could do his part and he, he wants to do his part. It's just whether we cooperate, whether we believe him or not, whether we obey him or not, whether we follow him or not, that he will do exactly what he says he'll do. And we find ourselves in uh, the reading from today in 1 Samuel 13, we find Saul facing an insurmountable problem. They wake up and there are 30,000 chariots heading towards them. Think about that just for a second. The chariot was the battle implement of the day. You know, somebody on a chariot could go faster, stronger, farther. They could attack in, you know, in many ways. There were 30,000 chariots heading in their direction. That's insurmountable. If that wasn't enough, there were tens of thousands of, oh, what's the word? Because I don't want to misquote it. Get to my notes. Oh, wrong place. I'll get there. Just hang on. Oh my gosh, I'm in the wrong place. This all is so seamless when I do it in my head. <laughs> verse 6. Go to 1 Samuel 13, verse 6. When the, men, when the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, the people hid themselves in caves. See, I can't find it. Like I said, it's just so seamless when I do it in my head. Doesn't matter. Lots of guys. Is it up there? Yeah, it's before that. I don't know where it's at. It's in there. Read it. They are being attacked. They've got 30,000 uh, uh, chariots. They've got thousands of... And they have as, as more foot soldiers. Verse 5. Throw that up there. Verse 5. Back up one. There we go, 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen. That's the one I couldn't remember. And troops like the sand on the seashore in multitude. They have tens of thousands, tens of tens of thousands of soldiers moving in their direction. Do you know how many Saul had in that moment? Do you know how many soldiers Saul had with him ready to fight in that moment? 600 Everybody else took off. Everybody else was hiding in holes, in, in, in grave, uh, in caves. caves and sepulchers. That's the word I use. They were hiding. They were afraid. They're running. They're, they're, they're dispersing. And Saul's standing there, well, I'm the king. I got to do something. But they've got this insurmountable situation that they cannot in the natural win. It is impossible for them to win. And they're heading towards them. So what does he do? He does the right thing. He seeks God. He seeks the Lord. That is the first thing. If you ever find yourself in an insurmountable, if you find yourself in any situation, seek God. That is step number one. Seek God. And so he sought God. 
And, and, and uh, uh, Samuel says, I'm going to be there in seven days. Wait a second. We have this insurmountable army moving in our direction, and the man of God says, God's going to speak to you in seven days. Yep. Why can't God speak right now? I need an answer right now. Come on, God, why can't you do it right now? Why can't you do it my way? My way is right now. No, I'll be there in seven days. Every day, they get closer. Every day, more people leave. Every day. Back in chapter 7, if you remember chapter 7 of 1 Samuel, they had an army that was coming against them. They had a different army that was, that was ready to attack. And they sought God. I mean, here's this beautiful example of when, you're, when you got something going on, seek God. There was no way for them to win that one. Do you remember how many of them had to fight in that battle? Verse, in chapter 7, you have to look it up. You have to not write the second, but look it up. Not one had to fight. They, they offered, Samuel made it, did an offering, and while he was doing the offering, God sent a loud noise. That's all it says is it was a loud noise. And they all fled. They didn't have to fight. All they had to do was chase them and kill them. So now here's this insurmountable army. Same guys, same people are involved. Saul, uh, all of his men, Samuel, everybody else. Now they have this insurmountable, it is impossible for 600 men to withstand against 600 chariots. Six chariots, probably. But there's 30,000 of them. And 6,000 horsemen and troops like the sand on the seashore. And there is no way for them to, in the physical to win this battle. It is impossible. It is impossible. There's no way you can do this. It is impossible. And God says, I'll take care of it in seven days. <laughs> After day one, is, you need to wake up and go, his mercy is new every morning. His mercy, it's not fair. I don't, I don't like this. Day two, it's even worse. Because it's another whole 24 hours you have to sit and think about why it's not happening now. Why it's not solved. Why it's not sorted out. What if he doesn't show up in seven days? What if he doesn't fulfill his word? What if he doesn't do what he says he'll do? Day three. <laughs> Four. Five. Six. Day seven rolls around. Saul has waited for seven days. He has done everything. He's waited for seven days. And guess what happens? On the seventh day. I mean, he said seven days, right? He said seven days. It's right there in the Word. Somewhere. Somewhere in there. It says seven days. And what, what does the man of God do? He's late. The man of God is representative of God. He's late. Now you notice it's not the eighth day. It's still the seventh day. He didn't say when on the seventh day he was going to do it. So the sun came up. The army's still advancing. Saul's getting nervous. More people are leaving. More people are quitting. More people are running. 
and he starts getting nervous. After breakfast, they're still leaving. The army's still coming. No Samuel. Lunch. Afternoon snack. Second breakfast. Elevensies. Afternoon tea. And the men are starting to go, Sam, or Saul, you, you got to do something. Saul, what? You're an idiot. What, oh, you're supposed, we got to get an answer from God. You know, you're the anointed man of God. You, you got to do this. You got to do something. Make this happen. So Saul gives in to him, and he makes a sacrifice, which is not what God told him to do. He said, wait. Wait till Saul, wait till Samuel gets here, and he will sac he'll offer the sacrifice. He gets done offering the sacrifice, and who shows up? Samuel. And he says, what in the world did you just do? Saul goes, well, I waited as long as I could. How long are you going to wait? That's years of wisdom right there. How long are you going to wait? Tell he answers. Does it change who God is if he takes seven days? Or seven years? Or 70 years? Or 700 years? Well, but, but, but. You said that you would give the, you, you would do, he told Abraham, I'm giving this land to you and to your, all of your offspring. At the time of this, they have the land. They're in the land, they're, they're occupying the land. Where's Abraham? He's dead. Which one of you said that? All three of you. Good. I thought, I thought it was stereo. He's dead. How could he have given the land to Abraham? Ooh, that's, a, you see, I love it when all of a sudden you go, ooh, that's deep and theological right there. He's not concerned. God's not concerned that it makes sense to you. What am I looking at you for? You must need it. That's why I'm looking at all of you. That's why I'm looking at me. Because we need it. He's not really concerned. He doesn't, he's not worried about, oh, I wonder if Greg understands everything that's going on. Greg, of course Greg understands everything. No, he's just, he's God and he's doing what he's doing and he's going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. And it's going to work. Now, it didn't, you know... In Saul's mind, he thought, well, God must be going to send another noise. Or hailstones. Or, I mean, you know, all these ways that he's trying to figure out how this is going to work out. Do you know it didn't work out anything like anybody thought? Do you know how they routed 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and troops like the number of the seashore? Do you know how they won that battle? Tune in tomorrow. Read your word. Read, read the story because it's the next. It's the finishing of the story. No, I'll tell you now because when you read it, it'll mean even that much more to you. The word of God is so awesome. Do you know how they beat? It's impossible to do with 600 men, right? But 
Do you know how they beat 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and troops like the, the sand on the seashore? Do you know how they won? Do you know the story? Do you remember the story? The story is this. Saul's son. Saul is still hiding with his 600 men. His son looks out over the valley and goes, he has a friend. He's got his buddy who's carrying his, his spear and his, and his uh, shield. He goes, so what do you think would happen if we went over there? And the young man goes, I don't know. I'm with you. Whatever you do, I'll do. So Jonathan goes, let's go. And if we get close enough and they see us, if they say, come to us, God's given, us, given them into their, into their hands. If they say, stay there and wait for us, then let's get out of here. Because it's not, it's not going to go well. So they just started walking towards the enemy. One, two guys, one guy, with a, he's the only one. Jonathan, if you read the, that, that story, there's only two people with weapons. Jonathan and Saul. That's it. The Philistines had taken all of their weapons away, so they couldn't fight back. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Not going to get political, or any more political. <laughs> There's only two people with weapons, so the Philistines aren't worried about them. So you got Jonathan with one weapon and his buddy who's carrying probably a shield or maybe lunch. I don't know what he's carrying, but he said, he goes, well, what, what do you think will happen if we go over there? His buddy goes, I don't know. Whatever you do, I'll do. Okay, let's go. So they start walking. They get halfway across the valley. The Philistines see him. And they said, hey, why don't you guys come up here? There are still... 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and more men than, they can, than, than you, can, you can possibly see waiting for them, and they're going, <laughs> they said, come on up. Okie dokie. Let's go. And they start going. There's still only one weapon. Jonathan gets there and starts killing people. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen and troops like the sand on the seashore. Impossible. Absolutely impossible. And he starts killing people. When he reaches 20, the whole army freaks out and starts running. They just turn tail and run. They're gone. Okay. I really like God. He doesn't do it the way you think it's supposed to be done. He doesn't do it when you think it should be done. He doesn't do it why you think it should be done. He does it to give him glory. Amen. So let me ask you again. I just spent the last 15 minutes, 20 minutes, magnifying God. What can't God do for you? Nothing. Practice with me here. Nothing. He can do anything. He can, he, there's nothing he can't do. He is good. Amen? Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, he is good. <laughs> 